This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects all of us in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. But first... Today we're going to talk about batteries. Now, that doesn't mean we're giving up on the supply chain and we're not giving up on security or anything else that we've been covering. But the thing is, batteries actually end up fitting into all of that. And we're not talking about the little things that go into your phones or into uh, uh, your, uh, your flashlights or things like that. We're talking about things like electric vehicle batteries. We're talking about mass storage of uh of electricity for your home and that sort of thing. We're talking about the big stuff. And mostly the ones you you would know about are batteries that are in Tesla cars and EV batteries and the massive mega battery uh, uh, facilities that uh, are being put up around data centers. And that's what we're talking about here. And the thing is, these end up affecting everything in the way of the supply chain and security. Uh, and we're going to talk about that uh, because we're talking today to Jack Pouchette, the vice president of uh, marketing for Natron Energy, which has come up with a unique new battery that is much more secure, uh, much safer, and more efficient than lithium-ion batteries. So uh, we decided to uh, get on a phone call, uh, which is why the sound quality may not be so good. Uh, but uh, Jack ends up talking about what he's doing and, and why they're doing it. And it was a long conversation. It was about an hour long. And so I've had to edit that down considerably. But this is uh, uh, Jack Bouchette uh, from Natron Energy. Let's talk about batteries. So let's talk about your product uh, because I'd like to, sure. I'd like to know more. Uh, give us the mm -hmm. basics of what goes, uh, 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 you're not a flow battery, right? No, definitely not. No, no. We are, we are a, a, a non-chemical reaction battery. So we are pushing ions from one side of a battery to another side of the battery. So we have two electrodes, um, effectively a positive and a negative, but they're both Prussian blue. So people say, well, how do you move electrons from one Prussian blue electrode to another Prussian blue electrode? Because one uses Fe2 and the other one uses Fe3, so there's you know, there's a valence electron differential between the two electrodes. Otherwise, you couldn't move electrons. Uh, but we're just pushing it from one side of the battery to the other. That's okay. All we and we we do it incredibly efficiently. Uh, we have a round trip energy efficiency of between 98 and 99 percent, depending on how you want to measure it. So whether it's you know coulombic efficiency or electron efficiency. You know, it's, it's, it's incredibly efficient. Um, and that efficiency allows us to dispatch electricity in bulk very, very fast. So, you think how does that compare to lithium ion? Uh, uh, we're, we're orders of magnitude more efficient in delivering electricity than lithium ion in a short duration burst. When I say short, it's anywhere from seconds to 10 or 15 minutes. Um, where we differ is, I mean, it's just a periodic uh, table of elements. You know, we're, we're lower in the table, lower meaning towards the higher number end than, uh, than lithium, right? So, you know, within 
uh, ions are smaller than sodium ions. So you can jam more lithium ions in a battery than you can sodium ions, which means you can put more energy in a cubic uh, space than you can us, period. It's just, just laws of physics. That, okay. that aside, so you can put more electrons or you can put more ions in, sodium ions, or I'm sorry, more lithium ions, you can't get them out. Right. right? That's the problem. The problem is you can't get them out. You do try to discharge them quickly, as you know, you turn them into you know, little, little uh, firecrackers, and if you have really big ones, you turn them into an explosive device. Um, so not, not a good thing to do. Okay, so let's talk about the, the, the raw materials that go into your batteries. Uh, you know, yep. One of the problems mm -hmm. I have with lithium-ion uh, is that mm -hmm. they use a lot of rare earth uh, minerals yep. that, yep. Uh, that requires, uh, or the companies require the use of child labor uh, to oh, extract them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. let's talk about about what you guys are doing. Okay. So Lou, we use uh, uh, give you the major materials that go into it. Uh, the organic soup that goes into the electrolyte is the electrolyte material, and it can be sourced on anywhere. So we can source all of our raw materials on any one or all of the six inhabited continents. What does that mean? That means we can get all of our materials in North America and build in North America. We can get them all in South America and build in South America. What do we use? The, the core materials are aluminum, manganese, iron oxide, Prussian blue. Prussian blue is a dye. All right, we've been using that dye since the late 1700s in the blue period, or 1800s, blue period. And, you know, it's, it goes in genes. I mean, it's, it's, it's a dye. Now, we use a, a precision grade of it, a chemical, you know, a fine chemical grade of it. But still, it's, it, it, it's a dye. It's easy to make. Commodity, um, and then the other thing we use is sodium ion, and you know, 68 percent of the Earth's surface is covered in salt water. Sodium ions are not hard to get, so there's nothing on that list that isn't a commodity material today. Everything we have is a commodity. Okay, and what are the applications so, for this battery? Well, well, we are targeting. So it's interesting. You you, you say that I was just chatting with um, of all of all people. I was chatting with my. Uh, uh, our, our HR recruiting person, and he's like, "Well, how do I? What do I talk to candidates about? Because these candidates want to go work for Tesla, or they want to go work for Lordstown Motors, or they want to work for Rivian. You know, there's like all this excitement. So, okay, here's what we can do today with our batteries. And Lou, we have we have either complete batteries or cells or some derivative of our of our battery chemistry in each one of these vertical markets. I'm about to talk to you about data centers." Our battery is ideally, as we build it today, suited for data centers who want a two-minute to five-minute hold-up time um, to transition to a generator or transition to another source or whatever. So data centers is one. We, we call it supply chain. Think of it as um, forklifts um, and industrial, industrial electrical vehicles, not cars. We're talking uh, tugs like at airports. We're also talking tugs like in harbors. Um, so, so uh, you know, places like that where uh, there's a tremendous amount of power required. Electric vehicle fast charging infrastructure. That's a mouthful. But the, the uh, myth with electric vehicles today is if uh, you have a 10-port charging station for Teslas and you tell it to all the Tesla owners you can get a fast charge there, as soon as all, as soon as six out of ten are plugged up with a car, you can't charge quickly anymore. There's not enough capacity. 
But if you put a large battery pack in tandem with the electric grid, now you could indeed achieve electric vehicle fast charging. That's an application that we're not. That's an application where our battery works and no other chemistry does. Grid services. So when we say grid services, we're not talking about um, like four-hour battery storage. We're talking about uh, frequency regulation, voltage regulation, short duration events that happen tens to hundreds of times a day. You cannot use a lithium-ion battery there. People are either using supercapacitors or flywheels or some other very expensive um, uh, types of batteries. Uh, Our battery fits in there as well as for something people don't realize is every substation has a battery plant that's required to keep all the breakers up and running, and our battery works well there. So that's another application. The fifth market would be um, telecom, 5G, edge networks, uh, edge data centers, which are typically tied to telecom. Now, what's unique about us, Lou, is that's five distinct markets, each with different demand sets that they're placing on the battery. Some of them are radically different. Like the grid services is like, you know, you know, anywhere from 10 to 100 cycles a day of the battery, right? Supply chain. It's, it's very high burst of energy repeated over and over and over again, but then they've got to recharge in 12 to 15 minutes um, so the forklift can go back to work. So radically, they, we do it all with the same battery. We're the, no other battery chemistry out there can, can tackle such diverse applications with common chemistry, common battery, don't change a darn thing, just repackage it for the application it's going into. Um, so, you know, are well, we the best well, thing since sliced bread? You know, we're not. No battery's perfect. Yeah. But we do these things, we do these things really, really well. Well, uh, well, since you've got those five, is there any reason you couldn't go into residential storage? Yeah, it's too uh, low cost. Uh, it's all about cost, cost, cost. Um, you know, I would say that if we were going to go into residential storage, it's probably 10 years down the road um, when we have multiple gigafactories up and running. Right now, we're building these things by hand. Uh, we're, we're going to be at what we call a megawatt, mega scale factory in two years. And in five years, we'll, we'll be probably at our first gigascale. But, you know, you have to look at where lithium is right now. There's 83 to 85 giga, gigafactories either in operation or being built around the world. Uh, to, and that's what's driving lithium prices down to where they are. Okay. Uh, you know, when we get to one-tenth that scale, when we get to um, eight gigafactories, we'll be at price parity or below price of lithium-ion uh, batteries. So, yeah, because our core materials are so much less. So, so uh, you know, at that point in time, yeah, then, then um, possibly, but, our battery loo works well for short to medium duration discharges. I would not want a, it's, it's not the ideal footprint physically for residential for long duration discharge. Okay. For a data center, you know, for a hospital where they've got a lot of room outside the building. Yeah. But for, for a, for a house, yeah, I just don't know that it's going to be there. So is it because of the size? Yeah, the physical size. We're, we're, we're going to okay. be comparable to a lead battery when it comes to how much space we need 
Okay. Uh, so when you start talking about, you know, I want a four-hour runtime, think of four hours worth of lead batteries instead of four hours worth of lithium batteries. Well, just so you know, if you ever decided to do something of like that, I will be first in line. Mm-hmm. Okay, because oh, I, I, yeah, try, try, I, you'll, 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 be, you'll be right behind me because it's going to go to my attic where I've got a room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about the yeah. cost. How, how is it compared to lithium yeah. ion? Uh, well, today we're we're um, that's way to put it is we're you know quite a bit more expensive today. Okay. Simply because you got to look at the volumes, right? We're we're building these by hand in Santa Clara. <laughs> don't expect us to be. <laughs> don't expect us to be you know cost competitive with. Uh, with with lithium immediately today, but within the next within the next couple of years, uh, what we look at is what's the what's the TCO model? Um, we can get fifty thousand cycles out of our battery. Hundred thousand cycles is probably where we're going to end up uh, within within two to three years with our new manufacturing processes and some of the things we're doing to improve performance of the battery. But let's just let's just settle in on fifty thousand is the number. The best lithium-ion batteries out there right now are claiming to get 10,000 cycles, claiming. And and the reality is that's not a full charge discharge. Those are just partial cycles, um, and they can't get anywhere near that. We we we're seeing ones that are claimed to be 10,000. Um, they basically just fail at 2,000, 2,500, 2,700 cycles, um, and we're not we're not failing at all. We're, we're, we've seen six percent degradation. From day one, after thirty-seven thousand cycles, six percent—that's that's that's nothing after yeah, thirty-seven thousand cool. cycles. And, and Lou, that's complete discharge. Is you know taking it all the way down and bringing it all the way back up repeatedly, over and over and over again. No cooling, no settling, no waiting. So, so when we look at TCO and we say to somebody, "Well, how many are you, do you want to use this battery?" You know, the first question: Do you actually want to use it, or you just want to like hook it up and, and hope you never have to use it? If you want to hook it up to hope you never have to use it, then our TCO is no better than anyone else's. You know, it's just, it's, you know, it's just what, a standby TCO? battery. What's TCO? Uh, t- t- total, total cost of ownership. Okay. Total cost of ownership. So when you start looking at actually using a battery, like I talked about the electric vehicle fast charging or a forklift or a data center or telecom, if you're going to use that battery, the more you use it, the better we are cost-wise. We, we cost less today than lithium on a life cycle use basis. So if you're going to use our battery for five, seven, 10 years, and, and, and we think we think when we get into the, the larger scale batteries, we'll probably have a 10 year life and uh, with ease. Um, so now, now you're talking about, you know, it doesn't really matter what our battery costs up front. It could be 3X up front. Okay. Not, I'm being facetious. I mean, but it could be, it could be 2X up front, but, it's going to cost you less in the long run, a lot less, okay. because you can just do so much more with it. So, since you you mentioned grid services, could this be used mm-hmm. in a, in a microgrid in a municipal level? Oh, absolutely. So, Lou, one of the things we're 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 um, exploring is, um, I, you know, I, I I said we really don't want to use our battery as a four hour, you know, or an eight hour backup type application. Yeah, uh, but at 15 minutes, and I'll even go as far as 30, but certainly at 15, 20 minutes, you know, our battery, nothing nothing can, can compare with our battery. So, in a microgrid application where you have multiple things that you need to be able to do, it's not just 
provide power through the night when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing or stuff like that. It's, it's also during the day being able to handle large peak loads. Look, that's the whole thing about microgrids. Say you've got a, a, a 50 megawatt microgrid, right? Okay, so that's, that's the community power is 50 meg. And, you know, your data shows you that if you have 50 megawatts of capacity, that um, you'll cover 98% of your applications. Right. What if that 2% is a 911 emergency and your hospital is hit with, you know, six ambulances at once and you got a bunch of people that need to be treated to and that puts you over your 50 minutes? Now what do you do? Right. And it's only a short duration, right? It's only five minutes, 10 minutes of, of, of this extra power that you need. That's where our battery excels. Um, what we didn't talk about is our battery, whatever we rate our battery at for, say, five minutes, two minutes, we could put out double that for a short period of time. So it's just an incredible, incredible source of power um, that, that no other battery can match. Uh, and so it's, it would be great microgrids as that 15-minute, 20-minute, 30-minute battery and then you tie it with another chemistry. Maybe it's going to be a uh, nickel zinc. Maybe it's going to be a zinc aqueous solution. I know there's some guys in Carson right now that are working on a zinc aqueous uh, uh, 500. It's a 500 megawatt uh, megawatt hour. Yeah, uh, I'm familiar with them. It's, uh, that, yeah, yeah, the Ch- CHES guys. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm talking to them later this week because they like the idea of that battery chemistry is, and by the way, I speak on, 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 uh, on energy storage quite frequently around the world. Um, you know, I, I tell people nothing beats pumped hydro today. Nothing beats hydro for storage. You just can't beat it for yeah. volume, volumetric efficiency, and just sheer, sheer gigawatts of capacity. Now, I'm not talking about megawatt hours. I'm talking about megawatt months, right? It's like, like, you know, okay, you can power a city for a year because, you know, you just can't. You just get that much power back. So that's great, except as you and I both know, when you turn the tap on, it starts real slowly. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while for those turbines to come up to speed. So that's where we excel is like, well, okay, in a microgrid where you've got other sources available that can provide a lot of power for a long period of time, but they can't provide basically squat for a short time. I mean, if, if you tapped a, a, a flow battery and said, go, you're going to be waiting. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. I said, go, okay. The mixing valves are open. The stuff's flowing. It's starting to produce some electricity. You know, I've got, I've got, you know, a couple kilowatts and I got a hundred kilowatts. And then a couple minutes later, I got a megawatt. And then, you know, 15 minutes down the road, I've got 50 megawatts. Great. You know, meanwhile, our batteries provided everything you needed instantly and so that's interesting that's where that's where this that's where this idea of a, of a hybrid battery plant and we're not the only ones you know talking about it i've got a friend down in texas who uh his companies um apply for some patents on some ways to make this work i mean truly truly work um and and i think it's going to enable real microgrid you know, capacity. I mean, you know, because you need, multi, as you know, in the microgrid world, you've got, you know, you've got standby diesel, you've got standby natural gas, you've got peaker plants, perhaps, and you've got solar, you've got wind, depending on where you are, you may have geothermal, 
Um, you know, you have you have a bunch of resources that you can tap into, um, but you really need a bridging battery and that yeah. can that can pro- provide that buffer. Um, and, and the other thing that our battery can do, and, and Lou, this is a a wild idea. A couple of people and I um, pontificated over some beers. Um, I said our battery can discharge very quickly. Our battery can recharge in ten minutes. Okay, now that doesn't matter what. <laughs> yeah, that does. Yeah, exactly. Now that that doesn't matter whether it's one battery, like in your cell phone, or if it's a house, you know, a, a trailer, a complete. It's, it's, think of a railroad car, just full yeah. of our batteries that that's been discharged. Okay, and you know that you've got a wind event, and you know you've been doing this renewable for years, so you know that you know, you know it's a shame that ERCOT took the slam that they did for you know for for everything that happened, but you know, that's what happens when you have the 100 year uh, climate event. But uh, you know when when ERCOT gets a gets a score warning, I've you know, I've been the data center world. Um, you know Microsoft in San Antonio gets gets a phone call. And is told how many servers can you spin up? How much energy can you take because it's negative twelve hundred dollars a megawatt? Negative twelve hundred dollars a megawatt. Take all. Take it all. Take as much as you can. We need you to take the energy. So when that happens, when there's when there's these massive imbalances, if you've got our battery sitting out there and, and it's been discharged because you and I both know, you can predict these wind events. You know they're coming. Mm-hmm. Right? You know they're coming a day ahead of time, sometimes two days ahead of time. Sometimes, you know, even longer, you get a pretty good inclination, inclination that's coming. So discharge our batteries. Put them to use. Right? All those microgrid batteries you've had sitting there that you don't need that are just fully charged, it's like, use them. Sell that energy off. Do something with it because you're going to get negative energy to recharge it. You're going to get, I want to say negative, negative cost. You're going to get free electricity. Take it. And when you've got a battery that can suck it all up in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, yeah, okay. that's a heck of a trick. Uh, uh, who, who are you supplying batteries to now? So we are, I can tell you, uh, officially, ABB is making a public announcement that they are using our battery in what they call their edge cabinet. Their edge cabinet is a 48-volt battery, a uh, 40 volt IT cabinet for data centers. When I, so it's designed for 5G, edge, wireless, and data center applications. Um, so ABB is going public with that. Okay, are, are you um, talking to the state of California at all? Uh, so the California Energy Commission gave us a grant for an electric vehicle fast charging project. We're going to be doing, this is public, we're going to be doing it at the UC San Diego campus. Uh, and we're probably going to start deploying that um, first quarter of next year. Um, so yeah, we're, we we have a grant from them. We and and we're we're talking to them uh, routinely about electric vehicle uh, infrastructure. How about uh, other countries? Are, are you talking to Australia at all? Yeah. So um, we we have a. Uh, a project through a company called Rital, R-I-T-T-A-L. They're a big rack manufacturer, and they've come up with a standardized system that uses our battery as well. Okay. And uh, one of the single single biggest applications for them is going to be um, Australia, and, and and that is to to um, 
do a combination of both provide 5G infrastructure for the wireless, but also to do some um, power balancing. Uh, you know, so you know, their grid is. Are you aware of the dirty secret? Yeah, you've you've heard of that mega battery that Tesla installed. Oh in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but are you are you aware of the dirty secret about uh, mm. its connection to a coal plant? Oh yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, uh, just. Yeah. Just just for the sake of discussion, um, in order for those batteries to maintain their charge when the sun goes down, which because they're mm -hmm. generally charged from power off the solar bat, uh, the, so the solar panels, right? Uh, they have to fire up a coal plant to keep the batteries fully charged. Mm -hmm. So they're actually burning coal to keep the batteries charged. Yeah. And that that just when I read that, I just about fell out of my chair. Yeah, it's so stupid. So but the reason is, is that once you stop sending power directly to the battery, it starts losing charge. Do you have that kind of a problem? Or does it just maintain the charge? Uh, no, it, it uh, does not discharge that quickly. So, um, you know, we, 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 hold the, we hold the charge fairly well. We hold the charge at about the same rate as a lead. Or we we self-discharge at about the same rate as a lead-acid battery, which means if you had a, uh, you know, 10-megawatt battery of ours uh, and you stopped charging it uh, for 12 hours, you know, when you came back, instead of being, I forget, you might have lost 1%. It's like big deal. That's a lot better. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's like it's like who cares? And in fact, it should be less than one. I mean, it's not even one percent a day. So, okay. so you know, you're you're not talking about a lot on a, on a discharge. Yeah, they've got something wrong with the design of their. Well, you know what it is is that because it's lithium ion, um, in order to be safe, and I, you got to put quotes in there on that, um, and put it in italics because it's a weirdly defined safe. In order to be safe, they have to. Um, Isolate the batteries from each other, isolate them shelf to shelf, put this massive battery management system in there. And that battery, battery management system is, you know, multiple, for, for that deployment, it's multiple computers spread out across multiple containers. Um, so that way, if one fails, you know, there's a, there's redundancy. And I mean, they've got so much fault protection and isolation you know, and circuitry you just explained to me why they, I, I couldn't understand why that, you know, I, I knew that lithium ion batteries would, when you sit there, they, they lose power, but yeah. the amount that they were losing, I didn't quite understand. You've just explained it to me. No, They've got to run a data center 24 yeah. seven yeah. to, to maintain the, that battery. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small one, but, but, but still, yeah, for hundred megawatts, they have. So what happens is if you look at a Tesla car, uh -huh. The amount of fault protection that goes into a Tesla car is pretty significant, yeah. but it doesn't really matter because the consumer, uh, you know, even if it sits for three to five days, um, the amount of time, the amount of, of capacity you lost, say you lost, um, you know, half a percent a day. So you lost two and a half percent during the week, maybe not that big of a deal to consumer. You wouldn't notice it because maybe it's your erratic driving behavior. Remember, the EPA mileage may vary. So they can get away with a, a parasitic loss and, and the consumer not even knowing it's there because it's like, well, I, I didn't get 280 miles out of it this week. I got, you know, 250. And, well, the rest of it, 
wasn't because you drove differently. It's because you didn't drive for four days and just sucked itself, you know, down. So, um, now would you, would you buy a gas powered vehicle if they told you that they were going to allow the gasoline to evaporate? And at the end of the month, your gas tank was going to be empty no matter what you did. <laughs> would you buy that car? No. Heck no. But they don't disclose that on electric vehicles. They do not disclose the self-discharge rate and that, oh, by the way, if you don't plug this thing in once a month, when you go to get in it, you might not be able to go anywhere. So that was Jack Pouchette from uh, Natron Energy. And uh, we're going to be talking more about batteries and alternatives to lithium-ion as things progress. Uh, We will also talk about uh, how we will protect the lithium-ion battery systems that are in cars and in our large-scale industries, uh, because that in itself is a problem. Uh, But we're going to leave it here for now because we want to keep this under 30 minutes. This has been Lou Covey with Crucial Tech. Send in your questions to uh, cyberprotectionmagazine.com or you can contact me at footwashermedia.com slash contact or you can leave an audio message at the anchor.fm site. Uh, Thanks for listening. This has been a Footwasher Media production. Thank you.